My name is Alan Smithson, your host for the XR for Business podcast, where we interview industry leaders who are either making or using immersive virtual, augmented, and mixed reality solutions for business. From marketing and sales, to logistics and training, to design and remote collaboration, learn how the world's largest organizations are implementing an XR for Business strategy and why you should too. Today's guest is an industry leader, evangelist, and passionate driver of XR technologies, and in particular, virtual reality, Mr. Alvin Wang Graylin. Mr. Graylin is the China president for HTC Vive, leading all aspects of Vive VR at Vive.com and the smartphone businesses in the region. For those of you not familiar with HTC Vive, Vive is a first-of-its-kind virtual reality platform built and optimized for room-scale VR and true-to-life interactions. Delivering on the promise of VR with game-changing technology and best-in-class content, Vive has created the strongest ecosystem for VR, hardware, and software, bringing VR to consumers, developers, and enterprises alike. Alvin is also currently the Vice Chairman of the Industry of Virtual Reality Alliance, with over 300 company members. He's also the president of the $18 billion Virtual Reality Venture Capital Alliance and oversees the VIVEX VR Accelerator in Beijing, Shenzhen, and Tel Aviv. Mr. Graylin was born in China and educated in the U.S. He received his master's in computer science from MIT and an MBA from the MIT Sloan School of Management. Mr. Graylin graduated top of his department with a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering, from the University of Washington, where he had specialized in VR and AR for over two decades under the tutelage of VR pioneer Tom Furness. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Alvin Wang Graylin. I'm going to jump right into it for the people listening. You know, really, really exciting things happening at HTC right now. And you just held your fourth annual Vive Ecosystem Conference or VEC Conference in Shenzhen. Can you maybe speak to some of the announcements and how their impact is going to really uh, impact business use cases of VR. Um, yeah, I'm uh, happy to jump right in. Though we we just had our, our uh, you know yearly biggest conference of the year and had about a thousand people come in and about a hundred press and uh, essentially all the the industry folks that are in China and and actually quite a few folks from around Asia and, and even parts of the U.S. came. Uh, people from uh, you know the, the developers from um, our, our sales channels, our accessories partners, a lot of invested companies, uh, as well as uh, Chinese carriers, uh, governmental organizations that are involved with with high tech. Um, you know, essentially what we you know what we do every year is gather together all of the uh, the leading players in the industry and and try to create a unified direction. Um, and the the key direction that we were uh, trying to uh, to point to this year is something called multi-mode VR, and uh, that's when you know VR can be used not just for uh, one way of connecting, but it can be connected to your PC. It can be connected to 5G cloud VR. It can be connected to a console or a 360 streaming camera, etc. So it's a it's a very exciting. Um, time for us in the industry that uh, you know, these new types of, uh, of innovations happening. I, I got to read some of the amazing announcements. You know, you one of the ones that I think everybody's really excited for is the Vive Focus Plus. And, you know, it's uh, for those of, of you listening, it's a standalone headset that is completely uh, six degrees of freedom, meaning you can look left, right, up and down, but you can also move around. And how do you think this new you know, piece of hardware is going to unlock uh, the enterprise use cases of the technology. Um, absolutely. I, I think that was the, the highlight of the show. <laughs> and uh, you know, this is the first full six degrees of freedom uh, standalone device that has both six degrees of freedom on the head as well as the hands. And be able to have that freedom where you can move around in as large of a space as you want to. Uh, and be able to to see you know and 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 use all the existing content that's out there it uh, it's going to be amazing for for both developers and for users out there um, you know for enterprise you, you can essentially you know not worry about having the the wires uh, of the devices being connected uh, if you're a, a design firm and you want to do a, a look at a car or an airplane you can actually um, walk around, freely without having uh, any burden. 
Um, and we, we actually showed off something that was quite exciting is a, a, a large area multi-user tracking system that allows tracking to spaces up to 80,000 square meters, which is like 900,000 square feet space with only four uh, sensor units and up to about 40 uh, devices in that space. So it, it allows for shared teams to be able to, you know, look together and review and, and work together on a, a virtual space as large as four football fields. Uh, or it could be applied to theme parks where you could have, you know, people go into a, 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 a big flat field and look up and see a giant you know, amusement park in front of them. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, that was one of the other exciting parts that uh, was announced last week as well. That's absolutely incredible. You just you just literally blew my mind. That's the one thing I hadn't read about. So to get this, to just recap, with four sensors, you can have up to 40 devices, meaning 40 people can be in a shared experience in the size of four football fields, 900,000 square feet. Yep. That's correct. So I just have to kind of, I kind of unpack that. So for for enterprise use cases, you can now have a shared design experience or, or experience in general where people can train together. Uh, this would be good for military, I think yep. for police, for, you know, uh, virtually any company that wants, that has, you know, many people training at one time. I think the training applications are just going to be massive with this technology. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you think about, it, let's say you have a firefighter uh, squad that wants to train together, and you know they have a giant field that they can simulate a real fire in a building, and how would they behave? And it can give you you know full six staff tracking and and be able to have a unified positional system so that everybody can see each other in physical space that's fully aligned to the virtual space. I'm speechless. That is a that is a game changer. Speaking of game changers, one of the other things you guys announced at VEC this year is six degrees of freedom video. So normal 360 video allows you to kind of look around from the point of the camera. Um, but what you guys have developed is a way to give kind of more presence by adding that ability to move up and down and left and right. Can you maybe speak to that? Yeah. So, um, you know, there, there's thousands, probably tens of thousands of 360 videos out there, but it's really designed for just rotational viewing. So you're, you're in the middle of this photo video bubble and you can rotate your head, but when you move, nothing really happens. It, that, that bubble moves with you. Uh, what happens with this uh, sixth off, what we call sixth off light video, it's not full sixth off because you can't really move around in a large space, but it allows you to move one meter in any direction, up, down, side, side, and give you that illusion of being able to have a, a movable space and lets you create a, a higher level immersion that you can have with the ex existing content. Now, the best part of this is that you don't need a new camera. You don't need you know, new processing equipment. You don't need to do anything. You just take your existing 360 video files or streams, stream it through this, uh, this new uh, video player, turn on the six off light mode, and boom, you're able to have that, you know, that movement within within the video. Now there are, you know, cam people who use light video cameras, which allow you to make larger space movements, a few meters and maybe tens of meters, uh, in a space. But they they require uh, very expensive camera rigs to be able to create. What this allows now is that essentially you can have a standard, you know, two hundred, three hundred dollar. 360 camera and and bring that sixth off experience to anybody who you stream to. So I, I think this is going to open up a new concept called life streaming, where it's not, you know, people right now, there's, there's these uh, influencers who will, you know, shoot a little video of where they are and talk a little story. But I think in this case, you can have, turn anybody into a, a live streamer where they can share their life with their loved ones or with their fans. You just you, you just encouraged me to break out my 360 camera again and start making some videos. This is incredible. So I'm, I'm going to touch on some other things that really kind of stood out to me. One of the things that you guys announced was Streamlink, um, which is the ability to connect 
your devices, your Vive devices, your VR devices to computers and consoles, um, PlayStation. I even saw something about Xbox there. Yep. Is, is this for real? Like, I can just plug in my headset to any console now and have a, a powerful VR experience? Um, well, so it's what the, what Streamlink does is, is allows you to take 2D uh, content, whether it's from your computer screen or from your your uh, you know your TV set top box, uh, or from any of the existing consoles, because it's it takes any HDMI video stream, turns it into a, a slightly warped, uh, rounded um, screen, virtual screen in VR, so that uh, it gives you essentially an IMAX experience uh, with with your VR headset. So it's more of a monitor replacement than a full VR experience. Uh, what it what it also because of the size it actually does almost feel like you're there. I, I was playing FIFA soccer uh, on on my you know on the on the Xbox, but then I I click it in and I feel like I'm actually on the field because I, I can't see the edges of that screen. I am <laughs> if you if you get wow. close if you get closer to the screen you actually you know. Uh, there's a, there's a spatial element of that screen. So once you get closer, you can actually have the screen go around you so you can't see. If you back up from it, you can see the screen. And you can actually size the screen as well. Uh, you can also change the shape to be flat or to be slightly rounded. And one of the really interesting parts is that it also has a video see-through window. Uh, that's If you look down, you can actually see your keyboard or you can see your hand uh, game controller. And that way, you're able to... Uh, to manipulate physical objects, even when you're in this headset as a monitor replacement. So that leads me to the next thing that I saw. <laughs> First of all, that's incredible. And the, the visual that I'm getting is of, you know, a trader or a financial trader being able to put up their screen in, you know, a massive screen. So your computer now is, is a wraparound IMAX screen. Now imagine the amount of work you could get done by having an IMAX size screen while you're doing your work. That, that's just incredible. Yes, yes. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's, it's both good for, for work and for entertainment. That's, uh, that's the best part. In fact, uh, you know, our, our guys are, are trying to uh, create a little program to, to get people to spend a whole day, like 24 hours inside VR, and uh, just to use this one single device because it's able to connect to all of the current media sources that we have uh, anyways, and and you know the, this uh, the the Focus Plus also allows you to connect wirelessly to your phone and wirelessly to your PC to experience PC VR, and so all the the four thousand plus pieces of PC VR content can be streamed directly to uh, the standalone device. So it's kind of it's kind of like uh, the Lord of the Ring. This is like the the Lord of the HMD. It's you know the 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 the, the HMD that connects to everything. I can tell you this is what I personally have been waiting for. I want to be able to open my, I know it sounds boring to everybody, but I want to be able to open my emails and work in VR on a giant screen and have, you know, my, my podcast link over here and my emails over here and, you know, all these things kind of spread out. I am really excited for this. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned was looking down and seeing your hands, something else you guys, uh, addressed at VEC this year was native hand and finger tracking. Yes, yes. This is going to unlock so much. Yeah, we, we, we definitely had a, a lot of news packed in <laughs> to uh, to the... I got a long list here. I, I'm going to keep going. This is amazing. You guys announced so many things. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think we announced too many things because most people only heard probably maybe a third of it or only comprehended a third of what we what we announced. Um, yeah, so at, at the VC and at GDC, we actually announced our, um, our new SDKs for, for hand tracking. Uh, for about a year ago, actually, at the, at the last VEC, I, I had announced that we were going to bring gesture control to, to Vive using the existing cameras that are on both the Vive and the Vive Focus. Uh, so at the GDC uh, this year, we, we showed the, we demonstrated the uh, hand and finger tracking on the Vive Pro. But at uh, VEC, we also demonstrated the finger tracking on the Vive Focus. So on a standalone device to be able to have 21 point finger tracking, uh, that's, you know, that's amazing because uh, the, 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 we, we, we actually didn't think it was possible because of processing limitations of the, of the mobile chipsets. But uh, after you know, almost a year of optimizing, uh, 
uh, we, we got it all to work. And we also released publicly the SDKs for the Vive and Vive Pro uh, and, the gest- and the gestures on the Vive uh, Focus so that any, any developer now can essentially incorporate natural hand movement uh, directly into the apps without having to buy a, a third-party uh, piece of accessory like a Leap Motion. So I keep coming back to training, but let's really kind of take a second to unpack the native hand tracking and finger tracking. If you're able to reach out, see your hands and interact with things in virtual spaces, this is going to literally unlock unlimited potential for for training. So if you want to teach somebody, you know, how to do something in real life, they can reach out, grab it, learn it. And, you know, one of the things that uh, you, you posted recently was on um, education and how VR is improving students' concentration. I think, you know, both students in, in you know, grade school from, you know, K to 12, but also university. But I think, you know, right through to uh, enterprise training scenarios, I think virtual reality has a potential to really lead the way with how we educate in the future and how we train. It's kind of my personal passion as well. But can you speak to, you know, what you posted the other day about uh, VR improving students' concentration? Yeah, um, yeah. So th- this by is... A, by a considerable amount. <laughs> yeah. This is a brand new study that uh, the it has not actually been published yet. It, w- it will be published in about two weeks. Um, and there was a study that uh, we, we helped, uh, I guess, fund, but then it was completely done independently from us. We had, you know, uh, no influence over the, uh, the study processes. Um, but what, what they did was essentially brought two different groups of kids that were 12 to 13 year old kids, um, and taught them basic physics, uh, mechanics. And so, uh, two kids had the same courses, the same, same question, the same tests, and one supplemented the experience with a, a VR, uh, you know, with VR supplemented materials to allow the kids to be able to to interact with the principles that was discussed, and the other one was just using uh, more you know blackboard and, and and teacher discussions, so your normal classroom uh, type methodology. Uh, and what we found was that the the concentration we, we and and for both sets of students, we um, for both sets of students we used uh, EEG uh, sensors on them during the entire class and was able to capture the movement uh, of the intensity of the, the frontal lobe, which was uh, to, to identify the, the concentration level and focus of the, the students. And it was very, very clear that uh, the students that were in the VR session, they had, I think it was a 6x improvement in terms of concentration level, uh, which led to uh, grades that were significantly higher. Essentially, the the, uh, the the control group had scores that was about a, a C plus uh, right after they um, right after they did the course in terms of, of passing the test, uh, whereas the um, the VR group right after was an A score in terms of their average score, and a week later uh, it was still in the B mid B range for the the VR uh, VR students. So even a week later after not being reminded of the content after they were retested, they outperformed the immediate test scores of the uh, of the control group. And a week later, on the on the control group was down to I think it was a D plus. So um, you know, either way, it, 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 it what it shows is that it, it you know for complex topics, this this type of a training mechanism really both helps to to increase concentration and retention. Uh, for the for the content and uh, you know very very statistically significant. It's incredible, and you know we're seeing already uh, some major shifts in kind of how enterprises are using this. And I just want to touch before we move on to onto that. The one other stat that I saw here um, from one of your presentations was uh, VR training is useful also in kind of sports education. And uh, you guys uh, did a study showing improvement using uh, soccer teams, uh, children's yeah. soccer teams, and using VR training. And one of the things that uh, you showed was a 30, 36% increase in performance after using VR. Yeah. Can you speak yeah. to that? 
So, so um, actually, before before going into that, I, I want to add one more point to the last study on the concentration level because one piece of, of data that's not actually in uh, the, the the slide I, I published was that there was a distinctive difference actually in the the concentration improvements for male versus female, and it seemed like the the more distractible uh, boys uh, actually had even bigger improvements uh, than than the the girls who were normally very able to to uh, concentrate in class whereas the kids the boys usually tend to be harder to manage and are easily distractible and what we found was that they actually had a bigger improvement uh, because of VR so the more distractible the the age group or or the the the, the, the child the the more benefit they actually will get from from this uh, from this technology so that, that was actually that. Uh, a very surprising finding, but but I guess it's intuitive once you, uh, after the fact, looking at it. <laughs> it's interesting you say that because I've been reading a lot of um, articles around how virtual reality is being used for autism and to really um, train people with different um, levels of, on the spectrum uh, to interact with other students and kind of studying their uh, their eye contact and uh, and that sort of thing. And one of the things that you guys announced at BC, I, I keep going back to this, but <laughs> you announced eye tracking and lip tracking. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, this is incredible. So, you know, I'm thinking for HR, if you wanted to do an interview with somebody, you could send them a headset, you could do a full interview in VR with them um, and, and really get a sense of, are they looking at you? Do they make eye contact? Now that you can see their hands and fingers, or do they use their hands and gestures? And lip tracking allows you to kind of match the what they're saying to a visual. Um, yeah. Maybe and speak it, to that. Fact, it can probably go further than that because um, micro expressions in, in your body really gives a sign of whether or not you're telling the truth or whether you're fibbing or whether you're you're kind of making up things. Uh, and where, what part of your brain you're looking at, uh, you're, you're trying to withdraw information from, will actually point, your, your eyes point to different places. So by looking at eye tracking, you can actually use it as a lie detector and uh, probably in a more accurate way than the current polygraphs that are out there. Um, so the, yeah, that, that, that's also a new technology that we are, are putting out, even though uh, we just announced recently our, our Vibe Pro Eye, which has built-in eye tracking, the SDK that we are releasing will actually work with any existing uh, eye tracking system. So uh, in fact, uh, very soon we'll be coming out with uh, third-party accessories that can, be, that can add eye tracking onto our existing uh, Vives, Vive Pros, and also the Vive Focus. That's incredible. I, I actually, it's interesting, the whole idea of the lie detector. I just read a, a piece by um, Jeremy Balinson. And uh, for those of you who don't know, he's a researcher at Stanford. And it was on the privacy of uh, people while collecting physical data. So things like eye tracking, uh, now lip tracking, but also um, their movements, how, you know, their posture, how they move and that sort of thing. And the study, you know, or, or the piece really talked about, you know, by collecting this data, we're able to now down to a very granular, granular level, one that kind of transcends all of the other studies we've ever had before uh, into collecting data about people that is way more accurate than just asking them on a survey or that we, you know, this is next level data collection. And I think you know, while it opens uh, Pandora's box for, you know, ethical concerns, it also, you know, can serve businesses very, very dramatically on both their HR needs, their training needs, their, um, there's so many different aspects of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you're, let's say, if you're an advertising agency, and you want to know if your ad works, you know, what are people really looking at? What, what's attracting their attention? You'll know exactly by looking at by using eye tracking and putting them, you know, in front of that ad, either in a virtual space or a physical space, right? If you're if you're designing a cockpit for a car or an airplane, and you want to make sure that it's you know easy for people to understand, uh, you put them into that space, and you know, you know, how how long did it take them to find the right buttons? How long, you know, where where are they spending their time looking when they're when they're driving this car when they're using this car? Right. So those kind of, of information, it's very difficult to get uh, in, in the real world. 
Whereas, uh, or, or you had to spend a lot of money to, to actually build out versions of that, that physical cockpit and then have people try it and then give you a feeling of what, which one felt better. Right. With this, you know exactly how long did it take them to find that button? You know, what would did they look at the, the, the speedometer or the numbers in the right way? Or do they prefer to look up or down or, you know, et cetera? You know, that that kind of information uh, can give you so much value in terms of designing something that's more human centric. Well, I, I'm since you brought it up, I'm going to talk about um automobile industry and in kind of logistics and, and travel uh, automotive in general. So you've done work, uh, HTC has done work with BMW, Volkswagen, McLaren, um, probably a number of other companies, you know, in the periphery as well. Yep. Can you speak to some of the ways that automotive companies are using this? I know Volkswagen is using it for collaborative training for, you know, factory logistics, BMW is doing virtual prototypes. Uh, McLaren allows you to race one of their McLarens. You know, what's going on? You know, why are automotive companies jumping on so much and what are they doing with it? What, where are they seeing the most value? I mean, I think it, it actually can be used in essentially all all, pro, all all steps of their of their creation, design, testing, training, uh, manufacturing process. Right. Uh, normally, a, whether you're talking about a car or a plane, you're talking on the order of years or, or number of years to, to design and build a, a new product. And what we're finding is that in the design industry, we can get a 2x up to maybe a 10x improvement in terms of, in terms of um, how long it takes to, to go from concept to product. Because a lot of what's happening today in terms of creating these things is that they have to create uh, physical prototypes that are made of clay, have people come from around the world to, to review them, make changes, come back a few weeks later, etc., which just doesn't uh, produce very fast turnaround. In, in VR, you can do all of that virtually. And in fact, uh, we had a, a very interesting um, case study just released a few months ago, or two, two three months ago, uh, where Bell Helicopters normally it takes five to seven years to to build and design a new a new helicopter. It took them six months to go from concept to a working prototype that was flying, and that that's just crazy fast. I think that's faster than it would take us to build a new headset. So um, it's amazing how how much how much value they got from from using that. I don't think that's typical. I would I would say typically probably improvement of two to three two to three X in terms of design time is is probably typical. So let's just kind of stop for one second. So Bell Helicopter designed a new helicopter in six months that would have taken them five years. Yes, exactly. And that's that that's an outlier. Okay, we'll take that as an outlier. But Typically, average what you're seeing is a 2x to 3x uh, expedited process of design. Yeah, and and that's not just for vehicles. It can be used for for, uh, buildings, you know, for for interior design. You know, essentially anything that that requires review and design and and collaboration between teams to create, uh, it it can be, you know, dramatically faster and improved. So... That leads me to the next question is, you know, why isn't every company doing this already? If, if, you're, if you're seeing two to three times improvements, why is this not in every single design office in the world? Um, actually, right now, I, I would say we're working with almost every major auto manufacturer and, and airplane manufacturer out there. In fact, if you, if you look at the... Um, uh, you know, Boeing and Airbus, they, they were working five, 10 years ago with cave systems. And cave systems essentially are uh, a, a early version of VR, right? Where you're in a room and it's projecting the, the expected outcome around you in these screens that, that feels like you're in that environment. Um, it's, you know, not as individualized as you would get with the current headsets, but for the technology of the time, it, it looked and felt very much like today's VR. And those were million-dollar systems, but they've been using them for, you know, 10, 15 years. Absolutely incredible. So, you know, it, it, it's really incredible. I mean, you studied under kind of uh, the godfather of, of VR, Tom Furness, and um, 
you know, you were looking at how VR can disrupt education. Yes. You shared some stats around kind of six times improvement of concentration. And one of the other stats was, you know, a 36% improvement in sports education performance yeah. and training. Actually, I, I think so, I forgot to, to mention the sports education one. So let me, let me go back to that case that you asked. Sure. Uh, so we had worked with the, the, uh, the national youth team. Uh, that was managed by the Chinese Ministry of Sports. And uh, they're essentially the elite kind of next generation soccer athletes in China. And uh, they were brought in for a one month training camp. And for the the non, uh, so that they, they had four teams and two teams were using VR, two teams were not using VR. And uh, they had the same the same kind of national level coaches helping both uh, all four of these teams, except some were supplemented with with uh, VR strategy education. And what they what they found is at the end of the month, uh, the the group that was using VR improved by like thirty percent in terms of their strategy scores. And you know, in the elite athlete level, it's not the physical capability of these kids. Or, or adult athletes that separates them. It's all about their, their mental acuity in terms of understanding uh, the deeper level of, of, of the, the strategy of the game, right? And so that's something that's actually very difficult for, for people to train. And uh, you have to create various scenarios and it's hard to simulate those scenarios. But when you can put these kids into thousands of potential scenarios of, you know, if, if these defenders are here and the ball was here and, you know, the goalie was there, what should you do? Who should you pass to? And how should you kick this? Or how should you, you know, defend? And by, by putting them in those scenarios and then being able to score them uh, and be able to measure them, uh, they were able to accelerate significantly, something that would take years to, to train. And they essentially got that level of improvement in the month. Whereas the average um, non-VR student uh, or, or athlete only improved by about five percent in terms of their their post-month training scores, so it's it's again you know like seven six seven eight x difference in in terms of, of improvement. That would probably be explain why uh, Walmart has decided to roll out VR across their entire company to train people. Yes, yes. Incredible. Uh, I mean, the, the, the larger your workforce, the more important, you know, training is to, to your teams. Uh, and it can be used for, you know, sales training, like what Walmart's doing, but also at Volkswagen, they're using it for uh, assembly line training. So people don't make any mistakes when they're, or they make the mistakes in virtual reality first, so that they don't make it on the real car. And you have people like Sim for Health who are using it to train nurses so that they don't harm the patients. Uh, they do it, you know, make all their mistakes in VR and their, their teacher can be alongside them to watch them and see what they're doing. Uh, in the virtual world, you know, th those, uh, you know, again, training can be applied to, to essentially every, every industry. The XR for Business podcast is brought to you by my employer, Metaverse, a global leader in XR strategy and product development. Metaverse has a range of products to help you leverage the transformative power of virtual, augmented, and mixed reality in your company. If you want to keep up to date with all things XR, you can sign up for our daily or weekly newsletter at xrforbusiness.io, xrforbusiness.io. It's interesting, you know, one of the companies that we're working with is uh, called Career VR, and what they've done is created simulators to show um, you know, youth and, and people looking to, to do different jobs and explore different career opportunities. They one of them is a, you know a crane operator, and one of them is a forklift lift operator. One of this is a uh, you know uh, heavy machinery operators, plumbing and welding. So by creating these you know virtual experiences, it lets people you know really get an understanding of what is this job all about. Do I like it? Do I you know is it something I want to go into? And then from there, they can train in it. I know you guys did some work with a, you know, Raymond forklift. Um, can you maybe speak to that and what they're using it for? Yeah. So, uh, you know, these these forklifts are, are used in warehouses to to move very heavy equipment and, and, and materials. And, you know, if, if you make a mistake, it could be thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars of damage. Right. So what they did was they essentially created a cockpit 
that was completely the, the same size, shape, and all the buttons in the right places. Uh, and you put on this headset and you can simulate yourself, you know, driving this forklift. And they can test and be able to measure all the things that you're doing to make sure that you're, you're, you're doing it safely and you're following all the procedures. And then you're also getting your muscle memory because you're touching all the right buttons. And, and those buttons and knobs and, and levers link exactly to what would happen in, in, in the physical world in, in, the, in the headset space that you're in. So uh, it's, it's kind of a, a one-to-one physical, kind of like a simulator training for, for airplane pilots. They're doing it for forklifts. It's incredible. I actually got to try uh, with the career VR guys, I got to try a, um, an excavator. And I mean, I've never been in, a, in one of these machines before. I had no idea. But step by step, they walked me through, you know, starting the machine, turning the, you know, turning the, the pivot, driving it, um, moving the, the dump or the bucket. And, you know, by the end of it, I, I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I could get into any of these as, as excavators and work it. And a friend of mine at um, VR Scout, he did a um, crane trainer where you, you drive a crane and you go through this thing and in one hour in crane training in VR, then they took him outside, put him in a real crane and said, here, drive it. And he was able to drive it. Wow. And that's, wow. I mean, incredible. Yeah. I mean, those, those cranes are pretty expensive. You don't want them, you know, making their mistakes on those things. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, just to spend one hour to, to prevent a potential damage to, to device or the property around it, uh, that is well worth it. And I'll give you another example of, of a very different type of training is uh, police training. We actually uh, worked with uh, some of the Chinese police force where they're trying to get their their officers to be able to react properly to very high-stress environments. And these these high-stress environments are very hard to simulate in the real world, you know, where you're not going to, you know, to have you know, bad guys and, 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 you know, good guys all in the same place and be able to, to, to use a, a, a gun to shoot at them, but to be able to, to distinguish, to be able to know how to react, to be able to stay calm uh, and be able to measure and see it from a, a trainer's perspective, what, what, you know, what the natural reaction of these different officers are. Um, that's something that, uh, you know, they, they've told us is, is immensely valuable. Yeah, I think police training is going to be huge and also emergency services. One of the other ones that uh, we were speaking with a client and they do, um, they own nuclear facilities. And one of the problems that they have is that once uh, the nuclear reactor started, you can't train for emergencies. You can't shut down a nuclear reactor to train for it. So they're looking at ways and scenarios of, you know, how do we train for scenarios that we just can't train for in real life? And, uh, you know, one of the the people that I had on my podcast, I'm actually going to check my notes here, came up with a really good, um, uh, it was Steve Grubbs from Victory VR, and they're doing a, a number of different um, education things. They did a frog dissection in VR and stuff. And he said, you know, the data, the, the case for VR learning really hits home when it's rare, impossible to train for, dangerous environments, or expensive. And he came up with the, you know, the acronym RIDE, rare, impossible, to train for dangerous environments and expensive. And it seems to be literally the perfect um, case for that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, those, those are definitely probably the most extreme examples, but you, you have, uh, you know, we're working with banks right now to do uh, kind of um, hostile customer training, you know, where somebody comes in and they're complaining and, you know, how do you react to that? And, you know, how, and, and in fact, you can, you can then tie it to things like your heart rate and do heart rate monitors and, and breathing monitors. Uh, in fact, you can tie it to your, your, your you know, EEG brainwave monitors to be able to measure the, the response of the customer service agents so that they can stay calm and be able to give the proper response. Right? So, um, you know, something like that. Where, where also there could be empathy training where, uh, you know, you may have, uh, going back to the officers, they have officers who, who uh, you know, recently, has, um, the last few years, there's been a lot of issues with officers and, and violence towards some of the assailants. And now, you know, if they put the officers actually on the other side, they, they actually are the ones being, being accosted by the officers. Uh, they then, when they come out, they can actually have more empathy 
for for the potential assailant and not you know not try to uh, be as hostile or have a, a much more uh, calmer demeanor when dealing with them so you know it it, it can be used uh, for for both uh, kind of dangerous and 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 hard to create situations or it can be used you know to create empathy absolutely i think that's a really uh, great point empathy training you know and i think it was chris milk who coined the phrase you know vr is the ultimate empathy machine and he's uh he's really kind of pushed that and kind of fun fact chris milk was actually the first person to ever show me vr got to try <laughs> wow. vr hey yeah that's uh, something to be proud of well i mean he's he done a lot with his uh, various documentary films and you know trying to bring bring vr to a to a larger group of people in fact now i think the films that he had made if you put those into our 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 uh, sixth off volumetric player it'll actually bring you even closer to the, the the people that he he you know he was filming incredible i i love the fact that it's just a player i, I mean it's all built in and it just works uh, i think it's going to be a huge hit for you guys um i, I want to just kind of ask you just a personal question what are what is you know the most impressive business use case of virtual and augmented reality that you've seen so far i mean you talked about bell helicopters what is the the most impressive one that you've seen personally I, I mean, I, I think I, I've seen so many. So I, honestly, I feel like every every one I've seen is impressive in, in a different way, and and people have utilized it. You know, you have people who have who have you know prevented uh, you know various levels of of um, of uh, potential damage from from mis mispractice for for doctors, right? Or you have uh, people who have you know taught uh, kids. You know things that would be impossible at their age level, or you have you know like you're saying, uh, vehicles that are created in, in one fraction of the time, or you know you it just every 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 use case I've seen comes out with a a level of of results that far outweighs anything that I've seen uh, in with other practices, right? So it's I just feel like there there's, there's, there is almost limitless possibilities of utilizing this technology to to make the, the the work process more efficient for for almost any industry um and that, that that's what's most exciting because every every time I, I i i see a customer or i talk to a channel partner i i go you know visit investor i i hear stories that i'm just amazed at it's incredible. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, more efficient, but I also think, you know, less mundane. You did a TED Talk last year where you described VR and how VR can unlock us from the mundane work and education systems of today and give us new challenges that will expand our minds and create untold wealth and prosperity. And you asked a question at the end of your TED Talk, how would you spend your time if money and location were not a factor? So I sometimes wonder, you know, what parts of our current jobs will be replaced by AI and robotics? Uh, but more importantly, what new amazing jobs are going to be created that challenge us in ways that we've never before imagined to invent new things at a pace we've never seen in human history? So how do you see VR changing the world of work as we know it today? <laughs> um, I, I actually think, I think about this question quite a bit because I, I do believe that Within the next 15, 20 years, most of the jobs that are out there today probably won't exist or won't need to exist because uh, machines will do it better than we do and do it for, for less money and, and a higher quality. And in, in which case, we need to find something else that we're going to be you know, more suited to, to do. And you know, the, the, the fact that VR can train us to become uh, skilled in, in, in almost anything and to do it faster. Right, because of all, all the research out there, clearly shows that VR is probably the most effective means for us to to put information into our brains and to have it stay there. Right? Uh, both because of of you know the ability to to use your full brain to learn to to be you know activity or uh, actively participating in the learning versus using just your ears or your eyes to bring information in, 
but also the fact that you know by by being focused you're not distracted by other things around you uh, and also the fact that it can put you into environments that would be impossible for you to understand let's say if you want to understand subatomic particles if you could put yourself to be the size of a subatomic particle and see the interactions and feel the interactions between these particles that helps you to understand you know quantum physics a lot better than if you were just being told something you know and, and a little picture on the blackboard right so it's interesting you say that because i got to try um a vr experience where it was it was looking at carbon and i was i was at the molecular level looking at a piece of carbon versus in in, in a diamond format versus a graphene sheet or a, uh, and it showed kind of the way the uh, you know it's the same molecules but they're stacked a different way and i really kind of got the spatial understanding of what that means and I, I could draw it out on paper now that i've seen it. it you know i think this is going to unlock a new era of of everything in education and my personal mission is to inspire and educate future leaders to think and act in a socially economically and environmentally sustainable way and i think the current education systems do a great job at preparing people for jobs but those jobs are not going to be there so I think virtual and augmented reality will hyper accelerate the the learning path for children and everybody to really find their purpose and their mission and passions. And I think that can really drive humanity forward. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. So in, in fact, just this morning, I was I, I when I posted that um, that new study about the concentration level in education, I had a, a person respond to me and say, oh, you know, but there, there's not enough budget to, to, to invest in these devices. They're just too expensive and we don't have the money for it. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you look at what's going on in most of the developed world, uh, countries in the world is that, you know, the, the countries are spending somewhere between three to 5% of total GDP of the country on education. But they're doing a pretty poor job at it because everybody's teaching kids how to take tests. They're not teaching kids how to learn. And if we change the mindset to say, you know, instead of having bigger buildings and, and nicer computers and bigger, whatever, nicer chairs, if we give them this equipment that helps them to to turn to, to unleash the, 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 the genius that's in every single child, I think that's the part that is that is uh you know worth investing in i think in fact if you uh there was a quote from um, warren buffett said the best investment you can make is in yourself is in educating yourself right so i think in terms of a society that should be our number one investment instead of you know buying a new car it probably makes more sense to buy a headset that can then teach you and your kids you know how to be you know, smarter in everything that, that you're interested in to, to learn a language in, in a matter of weeks instead of years, right? That's the kind of things that that's possible. Um, it's interesting that you, you touched on kind of, you know, priorities and budgeting. You know, I, I don't get involved in these political things, but the U.S. military budget is $600 billion. Um, that's enough to give every person in the U.S., uh, I don't know, three or four VR headsets. Like, yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I there's the, it's not that there isn't the money. It's about how we prioritize that money, right? And and, and that's something that that uh, you know there needs to be more education out there to the decision makers, to the policy makers, so that they can understand the benefit of this. And it's not that expensive. I mean, you know, a device like the Vive Focus Plus, we're talking about, you know, $800 and you can do everything you can do a few years ago with a, you know, PC-based VR that was several thousand dollars. So the costs are already coming down and it's even from a, 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 a usability perspective, it's even easier. You know, it takes a few minutes to set up instead of a few hours set up. It takes a few seconds, you put it on and you're in VR instead of several minutes. So in, in, from every aspect, the devices today are superior to the ones just, you know, three years ago. It's, it's amazing. When, when I started in VR in 2015, we used to carry around a giant computer and, you know, uh, the, the Oculus DK1, I think, or DK, DK2, we'd carry it around and it would take, you know, 40 minutes to set it up. And, oh, my God, it was a disaster. And, and that was just to be able to put it on someone's head and say, hey, check it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so. It, we've come a long way. Yeah, so I think if you if you put on a, a Focus device, a Focus Plus, I think you'll you'll uh, be so much, I guess, 
so you feel so much more efficient in terms of telling the VR story because absolutely, as you know, with with VR, if you don't get people in the headset, they don't fully understand. And so, no, the, it's like explaining the color red to somebody who's blind. Yes, so so that's why we have to to let that that process to put this device in front of people is so much easier the, the easier it is the more people will try it the more people try it, the more more people will believe it and understand it absolutely so i really want to thank you so much for taking the time to you know come on the show and explain the transformative power of virtual augmented mixed reality uh, or xr technologies to the business community my final question today how would you spend your time if money and location were not a factor? <laughs> um, you know what? I, I'd probably spend it a lot of the ways I would do today, but probably more on the investment uh, and the mentoring side of it. Right? I, I spend a lot of time right now managing my team and, and you know, getting our products out and you know, doing the messaging and sales and marketing and all that. Uh, whereas uh, you know, another part of my job is to work with startups, and that's the part that I get the, the most personal fulfillment out. Uh, from is that when I when I talk to these these young entrepreneurs and are able to help them clarify their stories, help them be able to get funding, help them realize their dreams, right? And uh, you know, so the, the if 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 the other piece of my of my work was was less of, uh, of what I did, I would have more time to focus on really the more personal aspect of, of these one on one mentorship. For for the the various potential portfolio companies or just startups in general, I, I just really uh, like spending time with people who are passionate about what they're doing and, and who have a shared dream of trying to change the world in some way. It's amazing, and, I, and we before we hit record today, I, I told you about uh, what we're working on, and uh, I think our visions and our passions are, are fully aligned. So I, I want to, again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on this uh, podcast. This has been amazing. Uh, do you have any final words? Um, if you haven't tried VR, go try it. If you have, uh, go and take it and bring it into your company and really start piloting and experimenting. If you've already piloted, then start deploying because it is probably going to be the highest ROI investment you'll make, uh, at least in the next few years. So uh, good luck out there. Amazing. And thank you for listening. This has been the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. This podcast was another amazing example of how XR technologies, virtual, augmented, and mixed reality are revolutionizing businesses across every industry. You can learn more about HTC Vive by visiting their website, vive.com, V-I-V-E.com. And I want to thank our sponsor, Metaverse, and remind listeners that if you're interested in booking a free consultation on how your company can leverage the power of XR, please connect with us at metaverse.com, M-E-T-A-V-R-S-E.com. Thanks so much, Alvin. All right. Thanks, Alan. Have a great day. You too.